0: This is Josh Kanak, and I'm a sales agronomist in CHS Ag Services in Hazel, Minnesota.
1: We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success.
2: Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Well, a long duration winter snowstorm expected to bring widespread impacts including heavy snow, ice and thunderstorms north to south from the northern plains to the southern midwest beginning today. Strong winds and very cold air will cause, bl- uh, cause blizzard conditions over portions of the of southern North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota into northern Wisconsin where snowfall will be the heaviest Wednesday and Thursday. 1 to 2 feet of snow is expected with this system from Watertown, South Dakota to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Another storm system will follow Sunday into Monday, mainly for the central and southern plains into the eastern Corn Belt.
3: Harsh winter weather is expected to continue through Thursday and into one storm with one storm system moving across North Dakota, South Dakota, and into Minnesota today. Bismarck National Weather Service meteorologist Corey King says wind and temperatures may be the biggest concern.
4: So the snowfall totals there could still be some question mark on on those, especially for the system tomorrow. But when it comes down to the temperatures, it looks like the the, the cold and bitter cold wind chills, dangerous wind chills, are pretty much a sure bet. And that cold weather is going to continue on into Thursday. Again, single digits below zero. Um, When it comes to wind chills themselves, I think that's going to be the other part of it. You could see wind chills of, you know, 35 to, I'll say, 50 below, depending on where you are exactly in the state. But it's going to be uh, bitterly cold either way.
3: Winter storm watches remain in effect, but the potential to upgrade to warnings is certainly possible
4: if the winds and the visibilities really become reduced that's one of the parts that really you know has kind of got our attention on it we still have the watches out right now winter storm watches and then we'll be looking at you know what we're going to do with those here potentially later Today, we'll kind of have to let this first system kind of work its way on through, too. You know, we don't want to have too many different headlines out there to potentially confuse people, but we're definitely looking at, you know, the possibility of whether or not we're going to have to upgrade, you know, something from the watch phase into what that next headline might be. So stay tuned on that, but um, definitely, you know, it's going to be cold and there's snow already out there now, and it's just going to be a pretty active couple days here on, in store for us.
3: And another reminder to have emergency kits in your vehicles if you must travel in adverse weather. The show is still on for the International Crop Expo in Grand Forks. The show will be open
5: from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. tomorrow at the Alaris Center. Programming will focus on potatoes, soybeans, dry beans, and small grains.
2: Ever Ag market analyst Jenny Wackershauser says the winter wheat market is watching this week's series of storms.
6: Everyone seems to be waiting to see if this really good crop we planted this year has the moisture it wants to get going. Um, Good news about that weather pattern that we're all preparing for up here in Minnesota and Wisconsin and the Dakotas here the next three days is it's bringing some needed moisture into a lot of our dry pockets through the Nebraska-South Dakota-North Dakota corridors, they should pick up some really good moisture that lends us some good support coming into planting and also, you know, the start of our wheat reemergence part of the year.
2: Wackershauser said these storms will provide needed moisture
6: as much as it's a pain in our butt, <laughs> needed a moisture event that we're gonna see over the next few weeks coming through some of our driest parts of the country. So we, we seem to have some nice support in wheat, but sh- not getting a lot of action to move us higher. So um, I think that market is patiently waiting to see how we come into spring.
3: Traders continue to watch harvest and second crop corn planting progress in Brazil. Loewen and Associates Market Analyst Matt Hines says the pace continues to lag. Uh,
1: should be around 25-30% complete right now, but typically this time of year they're they're ahead of that. Uh, That also means that their second corn crop is a little bit behind on planting. Uh, It's probably around 40-45% complete right now and, and should be well over halfway done.
3: Heinz says a series of winter storms moving across the Midwest will get traders' attention.
1: Definitely a winter storm coming through your ne- neck of the woods. We're, we're not supposed to get anything, anything like that. But uh, you know, when we see highs in the 60s that drop down in the single digits, that'll definitely have some impact uh, both on crops and livestock.
5: Aberdeen livestock auction owner Kevin Larson says yesterday's sale turned stronger than he thought.
1: I thought. Uh, Maybe we'd have a little bit of a weather market, but uh, that didn't seem to be the case. Uh, everything is uh, definitely a strong market all the way across. A lot of different classes of cattle coming this time of year. Uh, you see a lot of these later uh, grass cattle around starting to be, i uh, tell you what, people think the grass is green. That thing is very, very strong. Seeing a lot of midway cattle guys are starting to buy these replacement heifers. a lot of that in there, and uh, there's still a lot of big, heavy cattle, so... I had like 5,200 yesterday and uh, it just, you know, you get to see some of every class this time of year.
5: Despite the storm conditions brewing, buyers were still in the stands.
1: We have very few left here this morning. I tell you what, there was trucks all night. There was a lot of trucks sitting in the parking lot during the sale. and I tell you what, there is an appetite for these cattle. You don't have to worry about that. There's uh, This is kind of... There's a ton of them moving right now. This market's game higher, but uh, you look at this thing, though. I mean, we have to make it higher. Look at inflation. Look at everything. I mean, these cattle aren't high yet. You know, look at your checkbook, guys, and look at this thing. Uh, Look at your expenses going out. These cattle aren't anywhere near high enough yet.
2: USDA's Ag Outlook Conference will be held later this week. Advanced Trading Risk Management Advisor Tommy Grisafi says this forum has implications for the market.
7: They're going to throw out some acreage numbers, they're going to throw out some yield numbers. I'm always fascinated how they throw out that yield number when there's two feet of snow on the ground, but they do it regardless. And I guess that we would tell our clients and listeners that that's just a starting point. That's just a base acreage number, a base yield, and then they go from there. They They do adjust it. Like if they see there's tremendous drought already in the western uh, states, they may start at a slightly lower yield.
2: Grisafi says USDA tends to issue a bearish acreage number, our estimate at the Outlook Conference.
7: But the markets have had all types of opportunity to digest bearish news, and we're still at pretty elevated prices.
3: The closely watched U.S. housing market fell for the 12th consecutive month in January to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 4 million homes, the slowest pace since October 2010. Reporting agriculture's business, this is the Red River Farm Network. The North Dakota Farmers Union is hosting their first ever Evolution
5: Ag Summit today. NDFU Government Relations Director Matt Perdue says the event's main focus is carbon education.
7: Really, this is a, a new concept that North Dakota Farmers Union is is using to really dive deep into key market trends that are impacting agriculture and food markets. This year, our theme is the carbon conundrum. And so we are uh, having a dialogue between farmers and ranchers and food and agribusiness about how pressures to reduce carbon emissions could impact farmers or ranchers in the future. Last spring, we did a survey Um, One of the the big pieces of feedback was a lot of desire for education on the topic of carbon. We wanted to have a conversation about the market trends. What is the market doing and how is that shaping our market?
5: The speaker lineup is a mix of farmers, fuel companies, and commodity processing groups to talk on the different views of sustainability.
7: We have um, companies like CHS and Anheuser-Busch, Low Carbon Beef, uh, a company that is focused on Uh, reducing emissions in the beef supply chain, and they're going to talk about sustainability commitments and supply chains. ADM, Marathon, uh, they're going to be here, uh, local ethanol plants as well, to talk about growing demand for renewable fuels. And then we're also going to have a discussion with NRCS, with Indigo, and with an organization called RIPE about the resources that can support farmers and ranchers as they adopt new stewardship practices. Um, we are also really excited to have our keynote speaker, uh, Zach Johnson, the millennial farmer.
2: Dry conditions of last fall have made farmers and ranchers leery of future drought. Sterling Marketing Group President John Lelivka says livestock producers are still worried about restocking the number uh, show herd rebuilding, and number show herd rebuilding may not happen in 2023. The
0: problem is, even if you get drought relief, you know, you get a check from the government, or you, you know, you buy hay. That's not long-term conditions for for herd rebuilding and you know supporting the economics of this industry. You have to have it. It takes grass. Cattle cattle graze and and it's largely, so the, the industry is largely supporting by the grazing resource of this country. And and it's not just, and, and Graal's part of it, but the other part of it is how much, and I think people are looking forward, how much how much are we going to take out of grazing as a result of environmentalists want, wanting just to not have cattle out there grazing. And I, I think that's the real deal
2: hay costs have made it hard for cattle producers to depend on purchase forage as a resource
0: and even now the other part of the economics of this thing is with with reduced water and irrigation and and uh, hay production the hay prices have, have have been you know very high for the last two years both because of the reduced supply and the, you know greater demand for that hay and so, you go to feeding hay for too long and you know you know pretty soon the profitability of that of that ranching operation or cow calf operation has been significantly impacted negatively impacted.
3: Agriculture education has expanded the the last few years in the state of Minnesota with many new FFA chapters popping up across the state. Eccentric Executive Director Keith Olander says he expects to see that trend to continue.
8: We're seeing just tremendous growth, something I've never seen in my career at the secondary level. Uh, the expansion, you know, somewhere in that 30% range, and still we're going to look to add new chapters again this year going forward. There's really become a renewed curiosity or appeal in where food comes from. How do we produce food? But even beyond that, how does it intertwine with our environment? So you even think from a natural resources perspective, a lot of interest. The other thing I think from high schools is how do they deliver education that's applied? You know, be it physics, chemistry, whatever, math. You know, there's a lot of students that learn very well in an applied learning setting being in a lab or outside.
3: There has also been a demographic shift. Olander says FFA students with no egg background are more common than those who do come from the farm.
8: We now see that the vast majority of our students, probably up to almost three-quarters of our students in FFA don't have farm background, which is a complete shift, obviously, in the mindset thinking of how you operate in a classroom setting, what you do in FFA, but even from an industry perspective of who you're hiring. Obviously, there's a good leadership component, but we see a lot of these folks coming in They want to be a part of the food chain. So that may be somewhere in that processing business inputs, outputs. Maybe they're going to be on farm, but that's not necessarily the norm anymore.
3: You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.
9: Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. To celebrate youth in agriculture and agriculture education during this National FFA Week, the Red River Farm Network is highlighting the success stories of former FFA members from Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Brian Schneider may be well known as the Napoleon FFA advisor, but credits his advisor in his hometown Harvey FFA chapter for being the push to jump into ag education.
10: Wade Anderson played a huge role in getting me an ag education and then mentoring me as a young teacher. Joel Lemire was a huge influence on me when I was, you know, my first few years of teaching. Alan Gies out of the Wapiton program, Gary Wettlopper, you know, all those ag teachers that were... A few years ahead of me, I mean, played a huge role in building an ag program and, and, and being committed to ag and to FFA and everything that we do.
9: Schneider's been an FFA advisor for 37 years, and during that time, thousands of students have passed through his classroom.
10: The number of teams, you know, whether they were state champions or just improved as we went. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many we've had. It would be a crazy number. I would say we have had like around 140 state championships, teams and individuals. Kid-wise, I mean, I've worked with a lot of amazing students. The one common thread would be their leadership ability and their drive and their work ethic. I've had hundreds of those students.
9: The Red River Farm Network National FFA Week coverage is sponsored by the Minnesota Agricultural Education Leadership Council, Mealsy, ProSeed, Nutrient Ag Solutions, and the Northern Canola Growers Association. Reporting Agriculture's Business, I'm Don Wick on the Red River Farm Network.
2: Thanks, Don. March wheat, Minneapolis down 4 cents right now, 9.25 and a half. Chicago is down 12 cents. Kansas City down a penny and three quarters. March corn is two and three quarters. Cents higher at 680 and a half. December up a penny, 596 and three quarters. March soybeans 21 and a half higher at 1548 and three quarters. November soybeans are 13 cents higher at 1399 and a quarter. March canola in Winnipeg 11.60 dollars 60 a metric ton higher, 840 dollars even Canadian. April live cattle 32 higher. The March feeder cattle of 45. April lean hogs three dollars 92 cents higher. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network.